God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. He must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. So we saw the State of the Union uh, address, and uh, it didn't really go all that well for Joe Biden. A lot of people thought he was lying through his teeth. My first gut reaction was that it was completely out of touch with reality. And in fact, that that's what... Uh, Ted Cruz said, you know, that this was the most out of touch with reality, uh, out of touch with reality uh, State of the Union that he has ever witnessed in his life. And uh, that was my first reaction. Then we had a uh, rebuttal from Kim Reynolds and then a rebuttal rebuttal from Rashida Tlaib. So. Even the liberals were getting in on the action and basically uh, poo-pooing the performance and the pack of lies. Um, The Federalists wrote an interesting article, and they said uh, that Joe Biden's State of the Union previewed Dems' fake attempt to walk back their culture war. So they're walking back the culture war, and the State of the Union is a disaster so Biden gave a campaign campaign speech instead, completely out of touch with reality. Like when he said something about securing the border and immigration reform. Well, build the wall was the chant that went in, into the chamber. And didn't you feel like if you watched that, that there were a lot of empty seats? Now, I imagine they were doing that for social distancing or whatever, but... It did not have the same energy and vibe, but with 62 minutes, it did not have the, uh, the same energy and vibe that you get from a Trump State of the Union speech. This was Joe Biden's first State of the Union. Last year was canceled due to COVID, I, I believe. Um, but yeah, uh, it was lacking energy. It seemed like a campaign speech given and delivered by a orator that is not known 
to, you know, make complete sentences happen. So, you know, it wasn't Obama, you know, who by all, all were considered, was considered to be a great orator, uh, basically with his timing and his, and his, his uh, pausing and, and uh, his delivery. But uh, I don't think anybody was better at a State of the Union address uh, and giving a speech like that than Donald Trump. Donald Trump would bring people into the chamber and there would be longer standing ovations, longer applause, uh, a lot more emotion. Um, I think we just had the Ukraine ambassador uh, show up and make an appearance. You know, that was about it. So it was pretty lame. And people called in to C-SPAN from around the country. And I thought, you know, that's not a bad way to go to uh, get the get the uh, lay of the land and hear from people across the country. Uh, also, last uh, yesterday, there was a uh, an election uh, in Texas, a lot of primary elections, and uh, it's going to be Bezo O'Rourke, Beto, Beto uh, O'Rourke, the Irishman, who wants to call himself Beto. And he's going to be going up against Abbott uh, because they both won their primaries in Texas. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But in any case, uh, here's Ted Cruz, his take on the State of the Union. Let's, let's take the 10th State of the Union that I've been on the floor of the House of Representatives to hear from the third different president. And this was the most out-of-the-touch State of the Union speech that I have ever heard. Biden went through a litany of acknowledging some of the problems we face in this country, but utterly denying any responsibility, any culpability for it. So he acknowledged galloping inflation, but didn't say a word about the trillions in spending and trillions of debt he rammed through that caused that inflation. He acknowledged gas prices are skyrocketing, but didn't say a word about the war on domestic energy production that his administration led. He, he acknowledged the need to secure our southern border, but didn't say a word about the failure of his administration to enforce the laws leading to the highest rate of illegal immigration in 61 years. On Ukraine, he acknowledged Russia's invasion, but didn't say a word about the disastrous weakness from his administration, the catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan, or his decision to waive sanctions on Russia on Putin's Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which is what directly led to this invasion. On every issue, he was like Sergeant Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. I see nothing. I hear nothing. With him, that may be right. But, but he denied any and all culpability. I thought that was a great, great uh, description of what was going on. Here's a liberal from CNN uh, basically saying... Uh, his instant reaction was not so great. We've seen over the last year Joe Biden take a slide in the polls. There's no doubt about it. He's not just taking a slide with the overall public. He's also taking a slide, and I think this reflects that, the instant reaction speech, with people who are even supportive of him or or who are in his party. And I think, um, you know, that is what these numbers reflect, is that he obviously has been on the decline. There's nothing in this speech that suggests he turned that around entirely. I don't think that was the expectation. I don't think that's a realistic expectation for this speech. But clearly, that decline in popularity that we've seen, we're seeing it across the board. 
was a bad night for Joe Biden, that's for sure. Um, also, they talked about funding the police. Uh, just absolute absurdity. I mean, he just says stuff. That's been pretty much the history of this entire his entire political career. He says words come out of his mouth, but he doesn't do anything in reality. He doesn't do anything uh, to counterbalance that. You know, to, he doesn't do anything to solve the problems. So that was a Democrat. Here are, um, well, I could get to Dana Perino, who gave a pretty good assessment as well. But I want, want to also get to some, some, caller, some call-ins. Not callers for this show right now, but um, call-ins to C-SPAN and their reaction. Texas voter says this. Whether or not the president would talk about immigration. This is not a call-in, but let's take a listen. Immigration. I cover a lot on the border. I'm from the border, and so are you. So were you surprised to hear him touch on this, and was it enough? I was very surprised, actually. Um, I don't believe it's enough. For a president with administration that allowed 2 million illegal immigrants uh, caught by DHS last year alone, most in American history, by the way, it is kind of weird to see him lecturing us about how he's going to keep, keep the border secure. With the cartel increasing in human trafficking and sex trafficking, I like that he covered it, but I would like to see results, which he has not shown yet. He didn't give you a, a plan. Nothing was set no, just yet. No, ma'am. No plan, no details. And the area of South Texas... The economic downturn has been felt very hard by us. So I would like to see a plan in place. Whether or not. And that's a Democrat. Uh, also, uh, the science kicked in and uh, turns out masks aren't needed. And Charlie Kirk said something that was kind of important. He says, if you're sending your kids off to school today wearing a mask after witnessing no masks last night, all of a sudden, no masks. Nancy Pelosi, nah, it's a mask-free zone. And, you know, if you're sending your kids off with a mask on on their face right now, shame on you, is what Charlie Kirk said, and I would concur. I think that would be insane. So here's Ronald from Texas. Biden talked about border control. Uh, I wish he would control it. Let's take a listen. This is a caller to C-SPAN. First off, he talked about the border control uh i wish he would control it letting in almost two million people we don't know anything about uh doesn't sound like control voting rights bill uh from what i've seen of the voting rights bill they're trying to destabilize the voting not make it more secure uh he didn't say enough about that gun violence bills uh guns are not the reason for violence. Evil people are. Um, the uh, it sometimes it takes a good guy with a gun, law enforcement or not, to stop a bad guy with a gun. And it's a guy don't just mean a male; it can be a good female either. Um, the uh, infrastructure bill it wastes a lot of money and. He just emphasized uh, roads and bridges, that if he only supported roads and bridges, we'd be spending a lot less money uh, that we have to print. Uh, I'm glad that people are returning to work. 
but I wish returning to work was not being touted as new jobs just for the sake of numbers. Well, the spending bill and the Build Back Better bill that didn't get passed, and Rashid Tlaib was upset about that, was really nothing more than a bailout to the liberal cities that allowed Black Lives Matter to turn their cities into Kiev or or Kharkiv. I mean, all these different cities that you see on fire in Ukraine, uh, I was basically like saying... You know, I was uh, thinking to myself, I think Black Lives Matter did it better. They burnt it down even better than the Russians. Maybe they should start working for the Russians because they're Marxists anyway. Maybe the, uh, you know, because instead of working for Act Blue like they're slaves, these Black Lives Matter people, thugs in the streets who are being played like fools by Act Blue. And all these Ivy League graduates that run Act Blue and fundraise for Joe Biden, maybe maybe they ought to just work for Russia and burn all the cities in in, in Ukraine down. Instead, that might be a good idea. I don't know. It's absolutely absurd. But the big spending bills were designed to bail those cities out uh, because they were basically involved in election fraud. And you say, well, how do you get the election fraud? Well, already in Wisconsin yesterday, um, there was a uh, a situation where, uh, let's see, um, special counsel finds Zuckerberg's election millions violated bribery laws in Wisconsin, leaves it to the assembly to decertify. Well, that's illegal. That's basically election millions of dollars. And bribery laws. Well, isn't that, you know, that's not the way you fundraise by burning cities and holding holding cities ransom. You know, so Black Lives Matter was a fundraising arm for Act Blue. And if you go to blacklivesmatter.com and you click on donate, it goes to Act Blue. Act Blue, a bunch of white people that are liberals that uh, basically run the show for fundraising for the Democrat Party. And all their funding goes to the Democrat candidates, particularly the presidential candidate. So that to me is election fraud, too. Black Lives Matter is not only a Marxist group, uh, Marxist terrorist group, but they're also the fundraising arm for the Democrat Party. How do you like me now? So Robert from North Carolina says Biden's speech was distracting from all of the things that have been going on. The failure with Afghanistan, the failure of the handling of COVID after Trump's leaving. He says, I do not understand where this man is going with this country. Let's take a listen. Not what I expected it to be, or maybe I stand corrected. Actually, it was everything I expected it to be. To me, I do think that this is their form of distracting from all of the things that have been going on, the failure with Afghanistan, the uh, failure of the handling of COVID after Trump's leaving. Um, I do not understand where, you know, where this man is going with this country. Not what I expected it to be, or maybe I stand corrected. Actually, it was everything I expected it to be. To me, 
All right, and then we have uh, Charles Payne talking about the oil reserves because Joe Biden talked about that. Let's take a listen. The, the announcement uh, that releasing more oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve backfired big time. I think they tried to do it in time for the, uh, for the State of the Union. It, it, but, you know, those reserves are emergency reserves. And, and when you do this a couple of times, it goes beyond being a gimmick to people wondering if you have a concrete plan. That backfired miserably and it dovetailed into all the things you guys are talking about. The biggest disconnect tonight economically was President Biden insisting that whatever he has done has worked. He bragged about the American Rescue Plan. That was passed on March 11th of 2021. That was the last month that Americans saw real wage gains. Every single month since then have been negative numbers. Negative, 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 negative. Consequently, 7 out of 10 people in one poll say that they, uh, that they are suffering, that they are living paycheck to paycheck. 56% of Americans say that they had a $1,000 emergency bill. They couldn't cover it uh, with uh, what they have in savings. And finally, in this most recent Suffolk poll, you've got folks that say, well, what's the state of the economy? 19% say we're in recovery, only 19%. 24% say stagflation. 30% think we're in a recession. 21% think we're in a depression. President Biden had a chance not only to reset his conversation with America and the other political parties, but even his agenda, which is hurting the American public that he professes to love so much. The, the yeah, that's so true. First off, All right, so we, we have a couple of more that uh, uh, I wanted to get into. Um, this uh, guy here says uh, Biden is a wounded president. Let's take a Where I would fault the speech is, this is I think after that, uh, it really lost altitude. And I think... To me, it was the problem with Joe Biden, one of the problems with Joe Biden, which is he has a legislator's mindset. This was just a litany of things. And, you know, Jonathan may be right. The beginning, the bookends of the speech may have been good. But I'm not sure how many people hung around and were focused at, um, at, at, the, uh, at the end. The other thing I'd say is if I were a Democrat, I'd be somewhat concerned because this, as we discussed at the beginning, could have been a course correction for for his presidency because this is a wounded president but but it wasn't it was a he's a wounded president and this could have been a course correction and he's uh the other tidbit from that clip he's leading like a legislature he's not leading like a leader he doesn't lead of course not um and then this uh california college student i think gave one of the best call-ins let's take a i wanted listen. to say that president biden says he wants to unite the country Yet, as a college student, he alienates me. It costs me $50 to fill up my tiny car. I have to wear a stupid mask in class while all of Congress is broadcast across the entire U.S. maskless. And I am forced to get a human-tested shot in order to pursue my calling and dream of nursing. I think his entire State of the Union was filled with platitudes and lies. Whereas um, Governor Reynolds, she embodies everything that I believe. She is pro-family, freedom, and liberty. I wanted to say that. Well, let's take a listen to uh, Kim Reynolds. Kim Reynolds uh, here in just a moment. Um, yeah, there's so many other clips I have here, too, um, where Patty from New Mexico says Biden's State of the Union was way out of touch with the working people. Gas is high. Food is high. Biden didn't touch on any of those issues. Let's take a quick listen to this before we get to Kim Reynolds. I believe the whole speech, the whole Biden speech is gaslighting people with critical thinking skills and is way out of touch with the working people. And we are tired of it. Um, 
you know, gas is high, um, food is high, rent is high, houses are million dollars. I mean, we are getting choked, and they didn't touch on any of those issues, especially saddling college students with so much, you know, predatory debt. And, um, you know, and it's just literal gaslighting. It's totally depressing. I believe... Well, you know, and also the reason why prices on housing is going up is because uh, banks are buying up a lot of the properties. Uh, there's a play going on with regard to these uh, house, houses and things like that. Uh, China also is uh, buying up a lot of, and, and it's raising the prices of these things artificially because it's not the natural state of economy. We're all going to be renters soon, is, is the article that I was reading from. And we're going to go ahead and take a caller really quick. And this, we just have a very little bit of time today. Uh, caller, you're on the air? Uh, is that me? Yes. Uh, hey, good morning, Scott. Good morning. Yeah, I just have a question. I just have a question to, uh, uh, we, we know there's Democrats listening to your, uh, and, and let me preface this by saying that I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. Okay. I don't follow either one of those wings of the bird. Okay. But uh, let me let me ask Democrats one question that they can answer to themselves. What has the Democrat Party done in the past 30 years or at all? Because from what I'm hearing, all the problems that were happening 30, 40 years ago that the Democrats said they were going to fix are even worse today. Yeah, but that goes for politicians like Lindsey Graham and Mitch, Mitch McConnell as well. So... Right, but these people claim to be the champions of the little guy. Yeah. You know, they they take up the banner of of, of uh, protecting blacks and and uh, and and, and oh, gays. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. but 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 uh, what I don't understand is why uh, why do they still have the same arguments uh, every time? It's like nothing has been done. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix that, and they never fix anything. And I'm just, I just have a question. What, what the hell have they done to gain any sort of credibility with anybody? Well, they're selling it to new audiences. Uh, as, as we evolve, as, you know, as new generations come in, they're, they're basically selling the same scam. It, if, if you go to New York City, you could find a Ponzi scheme. You could find a Ponzi game, you know, a card shuffler, you know, where a guy has three cards. He's got a pill under one of them. And he's going to take your three money. Three card Monty. Yeah, yeah, three card Monty. You you'll find that game. That game's been going on for seventy years. Yeah, in New York City, yep. and and today somebody's going to make a buck playing that same game that's been played for seventy years. So yeah, people figure. still fall for it. Yeah, it's like the Nigerian Prince scam. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, thank you for calling you know? in today. We're very limited right, with time today. All right, take take care. All right. Um. All right, we we uh we're gonna we're gonna keep rocking and rolling here today um, because I got to get to Ukraine today as well, and um, but we have uh, Kim Reynolds. We want to take a listen to that as well, and I just got to make sure my sound audio is correct because uh, uh, well, some one of the things is with the call system. Oh, by the way, you know you're in trouble when you lose Chuck Todd. Let's take take a quick listen to this twenty second clip. I think we were all waiting for it to be tied exactly. And then I, I think we we're all waiting for this to, frankly, be a Ukraine sandwich. And then it didn't land there a little bit. I mean, you know, I, it. And so, again, I just 
I think we're all saying the same thing. We, I think we all expect it a little bit more. I think we're all fearing that the next week is going to be just horrifying, just horrifying as we see a cornered Vladimir Putin. I think we were okay. all waiting for it to so, be tied. Uh, there's that. And then there's uh, Matteo, an independent from Florida, says he did he, he uh, did not feel hopeful while watching Biden stay. It hurts. Let's take a I did not feel hopeful. How and come? it hurt a little bit because today, for it's example, um, earlier today, I was talking to university students and professors and political science students and professors. And guess what they said? That zero percent. And they were not willing to watch the State of the Union address. And that's political science students. So imagine the biology students would not. The chemistry students would not. The social workers probably might not either. So mm-hmm. it hurts. You know, I was not hopeful. I did not. Okay, so a lot of bad energy here. Um, uh, And uh, let's see, there's a couple of clips that are just too long. I wanted to get to, uh, well, there's a a montage I have about defunding the police where the Democrats are clearly, uh, you know, clearly entrenched with defunding the police. All of a sudden, last night, they they give applause to funding the police, and I thought that was disingenuous. Um, it was just completely out of touch. Uh, let's see, Scott Jennings uh, from Kentucky on Biden's State of the Union. This presidency needs a pivot. Let's be honest. Let's take a listen. Because this presidency needs a pivot. Let's be honest. Politically needs a pivot. He could have said we're going to ban imports of. Uh, gas and oil from Russia, like something like that, a big idea that would have really ratcheted up uh, American resolve. But he left that for a future date. And I don't know if we're ever going to get there, but I think a lot of Americans are asking, how serious are we if we're still going to be bringing in hundreds of thousands of barrels of Russian oil every day? How serious are we? Because this. Yeah, we're not serious. We we, we would be serious if we change course with respect to. Uh, with respect to uh, the Keystone Pipeline. And then also, President uh, the, the, the Biden said something about uh, this whole dividing uh, of America. You know, we need to be nice to each other. Of course, just two weeks ago, Biden insulted people fighting personal freedom and said that they're, uh, not, wear, they're, they're not wearing a mask puts someone else in jeopardy. Let's take a listen to this. Two weeks ago, just two weeks ago, Today, we're not wearing masks. Two weeks ago, this is what you were interviewed a year ago about the Super Bowl. And you expressed hope that come this year that they'd be able to fill the stands again with people. And that apparently is going to be the case. However, many of those people won't be wearing masks, despite the, the local law in Los Angeles. What is your message to people who want desperately for this to be over and to be able to resume the lives that they remember? Well, look, um, I love how people talk about personal freedom. If you're exercising personal freedom, freedom puts someone else in jeopardy, their health in jeopardy. I don't consider that being very dealing with freedom. Well, he did it last night because the science didn't change in two weeks, but because it, it, it was a requirement for them to take the masks off and try to show that America is back, they went ahead and went about taking the mask off. And uh, so here's CNN's Jake Tapper 
Every president has to say the State of the Union is strong, even when it does not necessarily feel strong. There are a lot of people hurting right now. Let's take a listen. And Abby, uh, I have to say, the, every president has to say the State of the Union is strong, even when it does not necessarily feel strong. There are a lot of hurting people out, out there. So we are hurting, right? And uh, Afghanistan had a plan. He reversed the plan, and it ended up as a disaster, foreign policy disaster by everybody's account. And then you had um, the wall. Uh, you had border security. You had immigration reform. He had literally touched on it. And he, he basically talked about border security and immigration reform. It's absurd about there's nothing secure about the border. And you heard this guy from Texas talking about it uh, on our show here. We just played it. And, and the idea is, you know, what Ted Cruz said, everything he said and everything he does is the exact opposite. Mayorka and Biden are all about this ex- demographic experiment of importing voters, not asking them whether they're a citizen or not, and somehow getting them to vote. That's one. And then two, the corporate cronies support it because they get the slave labor. They get the cheap labor. So it's a twofer. It's a no-brainer for the Democrats that have no ethics or morals or compass. And he also talks about a stronger military. Biden does not stand with our troops. Biden recently fired 640 Marines over the vaccine mandate. So here, let's just take a listen to this. Biden, we should all agree that the answer is not to defund the police. Let's take a listen. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police. Fund them. Fund them. Fund them with resources and training. Fund them with resources and training. Well, he took away major funding for them. Major funding. And the Democrats are so on board with defunding the police, it's not even funny. So we're going to play a little bit of this clip. Uh, And uh, right here. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that. Let's see. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, But we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So, yes, defund your butts. Defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. They are talking about reducing the allocation of resources to that department. And I think every single 
city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I support the defund movement. I'm for responsible reallocation of resources. And defund the police. I think you do all those other things, you don't need all the money that's going to the police department. So yeah, I mean, the spirit of it, I, I, I do support that. Yeah, and you know, a lot of us were asked if we could imagine a future without police back in 2017 when we were running for office. And I answered yes to that question. We are going to reduce funding in the police department and redirect that money. There's no reason the police budget should just keep growing and growing and growing. They can make sensible cuts. This is basically a leader from every city in the country. Over $7 million so here's Ted Wheeler from That our Portland. city, through our city administrative Garcetti officer, here. identified $250 million in cuts. Rashida Tlaib tweeting, no more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. When they're saying defund the police, what are they saying? They're saying we want fundamental, basic change when it comes to policing. Uh, and they're right. We are reallocating funds. The, the police department here in Minneapolis needs to be dismantled, and we need to start anew. In some necessary cases, dismantling those police forces. Police departments uh, are taking a sizable uh, amount of the budget of a lot of municipalities and, and other entities. Uh, we need to look at those budgets, pull some of the money back, and invest it in other things. We are committed to shifting resources. I could go on and on with this, okay? There's four more minutes of this clip. Uh, It's absolutely stunning. But what we want to do now is shift to uh, our rebuttal, uh, the, the conservative side's rebuttal. Uh, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds delivered the GOP response to Biden's State of the Union address. She said we shouldn't ignore what happened in the run-up to Putin's invasion, waiving sanctions on Russian pipelines while eliminating oil production here at home. And also, she said, uh, weakness on the world stage has cost uh, uh, has a cost, and the president's approach to foreign policy has consistently been too little, too late. It's time for America to once again project confidence. It's time to be decisive. It's time to lead. Of course, Biden can't lead because he's been a legislator his whole life, working for the government dime, fleecing taxpayers, and never really leading. He was always a spoke in the wheel. If you want a leader, get somebody who's lived their whole life leading. We had that with Donald Trump. And we'll get it. We'll get it back. We'll get it again. Here's Kim Reynolds, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds. The disastrous Afghanistan withdrawal did more than cost American lives. It betrayed our allies and emboldened our enemies. North Korea is testing missiles again at an alarming rate. The Speaker of the House recently warned our Olympic athletes not to speak out against China. And now Russia has launched an unprovoked, full-scale military invasion of Ukraine, an attack on democracy, freedom, and the rule of law. Now all Americans must stand united in solidarity with the brave people of Ukraine as they courageously defend their country against Putin's tyranny as they fight for their freedom. But we shouldn't ignore what happened in the run-up to Putin's invasion waiving sanctions on Russian pipelines 
while eliminating oil production here at home, focusing on political correctness rather than military readiness, reacting to world events instead of driving them. Weakness on the world stage has a cost, and the president's approach to foreign policy has consistently been too little, too late. It's time for America to once again project confidence. It's time to be decisive. It's time to lead. But we can't project strength abroad if we're weak at home. And that's what I want to discuss with you tonight. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this other one right here. All Americans must stand united in solidarity with the brave people of Ukraine as they courageously defend their country against Putin's tyranny as they fight for their freedom. But we shouldn't ignore what happened in the run-up to Putin's invasion, waiving sanctions on Russian pipelines while eliminating oil production here at home, focusing on political correctness rather than military readiness, reacting to world events instead of driving them, Weakness on the world stage has a cost, and the president's approach to foreign policy has consistently been too little, too late. It's time for America to once again project confidence. It's time to be decisive. It's time to lead. All right, and we're going to take one more, one more listen to another uh, clip right here. This is a montage. Thankfully, the president's agenda didn't pass because even members of his own party said enough is enough. Well, the American people share that view. Enough is enough. Americans are tired of a political class trying to remake this country into a place where an elite few tell everyone else what they can and cannot say, what they can and cannot believe. They're tired of people pretending the way to end racism is by categorizing everybody by their race. They're tired of politicians who tell parents they should sit down, be silent, and let government control their kids' education and future. Frankly, they are tired of the theater, where politicians do one thing when the cameras are rolling and another when they believe you can't see them where they demand that your child wear a mask, but they go maskless. So you've heard the excuses. They were just holding their breath, but it's the American people who are waiting to exhale, waiting for the insanity to stop. Wow, that was good. I thought she did a great job uh, there. And uh, you know, one of the uh, interesting things also is uh, Newsmax put this out? It says, uh, uh, as Russia invades Ukraine, uh, as the Russian Russia's invasion of Ukraine takes shape, the U.S. Army began training officers on transgender identity. That's it's insane, you know. And and then we lost six hundred and forty-seven Marines uh, due to COVID, uh, due to basically COVID restrictions. So. You know, there's that. And then we've already, we've been spending on borrowed time. Our economy is in free fall right now. Our inflation's about to go over 10%. Newsmax wrote this report. It says, um, 
that March rate hikes still likely despite Ukraine war spillover. So the U.S. Federal Reserve and some of its major central bank peers will press ahead with lifting interest rates this month. Money markets suggest, even as a war on Europe's eastern flank complicates the picture for inflation and economic growth. So, yeah, quantitative easing and liquidizing money increases inflation. But what this is going to do when you have a struggling economy like ours, which is basically running on free money uh, by taxing the money with higher interest rates, is going to raise prices even more. And it's going to cost jobs. It's going to make your dollar go less because you're not going to get a raise. And you're not going to get a raise in this time period. You're not going to get the raise, but you're going to you're going going to see higher prices and more strict lending. Uh, so, I mean, basically, uh, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see these rate hikes go up. The cost of money is going to become more expensive which is going to make your dollar go even less far than it already is. So that's uh, another major problem is we're already so far in debt and in the tank. So, um, you know, there's also an article that I uh, wanted to tap into a little bit uh, before we get over to Ukraine, and we're going to do that real quick. Um, But this is 17... Absurd lies Biden told during his State of the Union speech. And here they are. Freedom will always triumph over tyranny. Biden opened his speech by praising the lack of COVID-19 theater in the legislative chambers and claiming that freedom will always triumph over tyranny. The audacious claims come just a few months after the president tried to force the coronavirus jab on American workers. So, you know, that wasn't freedom. What happened to the Ottawa truckers wasn't freedom. What's happening in Australia is not freedom. Powerful sanctions stopped Russia. Well, no, it didn't stop Russia. And in fact, what we're going to find out is they're just beginning. And then Biden says, I'm always honest. Of course, he lies through his teeth. The American rescue plan worked. Biden touted the American rescue plan as a significant boost to the economy that helped working people and left no one behind. But he neglected to mention it was this sudden influx of federal cash in a slowly rebounding economy that contributed to the inflation and rising prices plaguing Americans today. Trump's tax cuts only helped the rich. Biden repeated the uh, the popular lie that former uh, the President Trump's tax cuts helped only the rich. Of course, it increased work, workers' earnings and opened up job opportunities across the board. So, <clears throat> he says he created lots of jobs. No, those are jobs going back. Basically, the jobs that he says he creates are jobs that are just coming back online after his draconian mandate restrictions. Uh, buying America products is a priority. Well, yeah, talk about the COVID tests that he just bought, millions of them from China. Uh, our economy roared back faster than almost anyone predicted. Of course, that's not true. 
and we've suffered the f- worst year that we ever could have expected in 2021 when we had the vaccines and everything else. It was the draconian mandates because they were trying to push vaccine passport restrictions and guidelines as a gateway to social credit score systems. The solution to inflation is lower uh, your costs. Biden claimed that the solution to inflation is for businesses to lower your costs, not your wages. Well, Business 101 says that's impossible. But anyone with a brain knows that in order to stay open, companies must raise their prices to pay for increasing expenses, expensive goods. If businesses are forced to raise their wages, they will also raise prices. It's just common sense. My tax, here's another one. My tax plan will lower costs and the deficit. My plan to fight inflation will lower your costs and lower the deficit. Biden claimed. The truth is, however, the Biden tax plan would result in a net increase in the deficit totaling $367 billion over the 2022-2031 period, not continuing, not counting any additional revenue that may be generated by additional funding for tax reinforcement. So it goes on. Anyone making less than $400,000 does not have to pay more taxes. Well, that turned out to be true. Biden just repeated this the lie that no one making less than 400,000 will pay a penny more in taxes buddy we're all paying the tax of inflation and higher gas prices let's lower costs of insulin after i raised it yeah remember that one he raised the cost of insulin now he's lowering it he opened the door on the southern border but then he's going to close it but he's not really closing it And he's not going to fix those prices because he's in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. Funding police is necessary. Funding for police, Biden said, is suddenly a big priority. Of course, we already heard the clip. The right to vote is under assault. Biden claimed the right to vote is under assault by states passing voter integrity laws, but failed to mention that Democrats and their cronies in big tech and the corporate media were the ones conspiring to rig the 2020 election. Incidentally, the guy from Dominion uh, Dominion um, uh, v- Voting Machines, Eric Coomer, the guy that was the mastermind of the re- election rigging, he uh, ran his car into some wall, drunk, and got arrested. So I don't know. Gun manufacturers are immune to lawsuits. Uh, Biden says, well, big Biden lie. Gun manufacturers are the only industry that can't be sued. Truth is, if guns malfunction, the manufacturers can be sued. Not so with vaccines. So, on the other hand, many of the manufacturers who created the COVID-19 jab are immune to prosecution. We need to secure our border. Of course, we know the hypocrisy there, right? And abortion is health care. If we want to go forward, not backward, we must protect access to health care. Preserve a woman's right to choose, Biden claims. Killing babies in the womb, however, is not health care. So those are just a series of lies that went on last night. Um, And now I want to switch over to uh, Ukraine real quick. Um, So we have a couple of minutes. We have 
I want to listen to uh, Doug McGregor really quick. And then I have a couple of pieces I want to read myself that I wrote myself. So uh, let's just take a listen. So this is a question you don't often hear asked, but it's essential to our welfare here in the United States, to our strategic thinking about this. What is Putin's goal here? What's his aim? Well, I think Vladimir Putin set out to honor his word of 2007. 2007 at the Munich Security Conference, he said, we will not tolerate the expansion of NATO into to a point where your NATO, your border, is touching Russia, specifically Ukraine and Georgia. We see these as essentially Trojan horses for NATO's military power and U.S. influence, subversion, and so forth. He then turned to several opportunities to reinforce that over and over and over again, most recently with President Biden, in the hopes that he could avoid taking action to effectively clean out eastern Ukraine of any opposition forces whatsoever, and to put his forces in a position vis-a-vis NATO to deter us from any further attempts to influence or change Ukraine into effectively a platform for the projection of U.S. and Western power into Russia. Now, now that there's a lot more to that, but that that is in a nutshell the part I wanted you to hear, because I wrote a bunch of stuff yesterday in the wake. Of, I was inspired by the show yesterday, actually, and I started to peel this onion a little bit, and uh, it got interesting. Um, now it's more interesting than what. Kamala Harris would say. Let's take a listen to what Kamala Harris says when she's asked about crystallizing what's going on in Ukraine. Let's take a listen. Yeah, you're seeing everything. If you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on. Here's and what's how going on in Ukraine, folks. Affect the people of the United States. So. Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So basically that's wrong. (laughs) That's your answer. (laughs) Is that your final answer? That's your answer. Oh, my goodness. All right, so... Um, I want you to take a listen to this. This is the cut crux of the whole matter, okay? Number one, we have Vitaly Klitschko saying, we are Europeans. We want to become a modern European country. And I responded to Vitaly Klitschko, and I said, globalists, New World Order, Kiev, Mayor Vitaly Klitschko, makes a big statement in the eyes of Putin, who sees the political threat of former Soviet assets migrating and adopting to a globalist NATO-backed European Union, and who were also responsible for draconian and tyrannical leadership during COVID. Just look at Macron. Just look at uh, Merkel. Just look at what the folks did in Australia, Trudeau in Canada, and Biden here in the United States the draconian measures that they've taken. You know, Putin is a bit of a nationalist. He is being annexed by the globalists. And as the globalists gain strength in the wake of COVID, there becomes a real problem, an existential threat to 
um, to the existence of Russia. Uh, and uh, here's a Ukrainian member of parliament. Let's take a listen to what she has to say. We know that we not only right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the Europe. Right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight Um, for Ukraine. She's she's basically all about the new world order. I said Ukraine parliament member says they are defending a globalist new world order. Okay, a globalist new world order and a shield for the euro. And they're a shield for the euro. No wonder globalist socialists fleeced Ukraine and hate Russia. Russia in Ukraine is Putin's quest for control and leverage in the face of what they see as a potential existential threat to their future. This comes in the face of a rising globalist movement strengthened in the wake of COVID and exploited by tyrannical totalitarian leadership in Canada, Australia, EU uh, countries, and liberal social globalist elites and corporate financial institutions like BlackRock and their woke corporate partners who are married to China's slave labor, Russian oil, and who control fake news disinformation and those nonprofit green organizations with their pay-to-play financial power. And we talked about this yesterday, how these foreign interests, say OPEC and Russia, might influence nonprofits that push green initiatives here to try to get us to close Keystone Pipelines here and uh, be at a disadvantage here. And they're selling out for money here. And so that becomes a real problem. Globalists like Lindsey Graham or most of the people on the left, you know, are basically fleecing Ukraine. And they've been doing it for decades. Just look at all the liberals' children. Uh, They were on the boards of all these different committees in Ukraine. So we saw this fleecing of Ukraine. But Ukraine is a globalist, New World Order enthusiastic country who's now being brought into the European Union and will get those protections from NATO and that presents a real existential threat to Putin. Of course, that's what's going on here. So it's a very complicated situation, much more complicated than what Kamala Harris led led you to believe. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. And also check out magapack.org and check out my pillow and use Red State as your promo. Grab a shovel, dig a hole a little deeper, just to bury my kids right up to there.